Good morning, lovely people. It is Monday, March 6th. The Lopes have broken the split merchant curse, winning two conference games in a week for the first time this season and two games in a week for the first time since December 3rd. Both wins came on a road trip to Utah, beginning Wednesday with a huge win in regard to seeding against the heavily favored Southern Utah Thunderbirds and capped off with a convincing performance against the Trailblazers of Utah Tech on Wednesday. We hope the past week has built momentum for the Lopes heading into the WAC tournament, where GCU has earned the five seed and will face 12th seeded UT Arlington. We are excited and happy to be recapping a successful week of GCU basketball and are glad you're tuning in as a new episode of Win the WAC 2.0 starts now. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the blaster for three. Go! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the Push back up. Harrison quickly to the clock and drives baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barrel, you bounced out of your seat on that. I think a so Zach, you know that I that I teach PE at the school that I work at. Yeah. So I had second grade PE on Thursday, and we always start out with stationary stretches, and then after that we move into more dynamic stretches and exercises and stuff like that. And the first one we always do is lunges and I make them do forward lunges and then I make them do backward lunges and I do forward and backward with all of our dynamic stretches and exercises, but they're doing lunges and one of the kids like bangs his knee on the floor. He comes Ooh. up to me forward lunge or backward lunge. I can't remember which one it was, but regardless, mm. he was lunging and he banged his knee on the floor. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, Mr. Koenig, I think I broke my kneecap. <laughs> Okay. Sure thing, buddy. And I was like, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> no, really? Hit him with a me too. I did hit him with the me too. And I like had my GCU shirt on and I just looked down and I was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is really funny. And honestly, your kneecaps aren't very broken after this week, which we'll get into. That's but true. Except for this is G- actually the first time in a long time my knees have actually hurt because I just played a staff versus students game that we always end each season with and i you know i coached the girls all season and Mm -hmm. i didn't have any problem with my knees and then all of a sudden when we play a game against them my left knee was just killing me the lopes are not the reason that my kneecaps are broken well that's that's good news yeah it it is good the lopes look pretty good i was very pleased with the boys this week me too however how well impressed i wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I, I will say I, I was impressed. I was excited. And I maybe I should say I was impressed, especially with the Seattle or sorry, the Southern Utah game, because I was the one who was saying we're losing this game by double digits. But mm-hmm. it is I was what impressed is, actually man. by several things from 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 these games. More right, than well, just the final scores, which were cool. It's nice to win. Yeah, absolutely. But well, keep we'll, those we'll in mind. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Let's start off with a questionable scenario. Now as you can imagine, with my feeble mind, I have been struggling to come up with really good questionable scenarios recently. Yeah. So tomorrow's episode is going to be a better one. And it's going to be very similar to one that I've already asked you, but I've kind of changed it up because I want to see if it changes things for you. This questionable scenario is not as great, but I think it's interesting nonetheless. You can pick one lope to average 15 points per game throughout the tournament to help us get over the hump of winning the WAC title. Who would you pick? So if I say, this person gets us 15 a night, we will win. So I'm saying if you pick Rayshon Harrison to average 15, we're going to lose because he should average more than that. Yeah, okay. (laughs) The obvious answer is if you say some random person, it's like, whoa, whoa, that's awesome, right? Like if he Gahan goes for 15 a game, it's like, yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) That would be sick. It's like, yeah, I would love to see Logan Landers score 15 a game. Hey, Zach, you know what that would mean, though? If Logan Landers was scoring 15 15 a game... In that means either and we are <laughs> and that would be it. That would be a, it'd be a great game. If Logan Landers is averaging 15 a game in the WAC tournament, that means one of two things. Okay. Either the Lopes are getting their butts kicked so bad early on that he plays a lot of minutes and scores 15 points or the Lopes are kicking butt so bad that, you know, same thing. Yeah. So That's what I mean. We got to work. 
Ray Harrison's going to go so he's the fire. He's going to have fire within him from not winning WAC Player of the Year, and that's <laughs> going to lead him to score forty a game, which will give Landers minutes to get his fifteen. No, my answer to that, realistically though, my answer is no about him. I think just with what we have, I expect, and maybe this is too high. I think we need to get twenty five a game from Ray. I, I don't know if that's too high. Now he might go it, like I think less than had, that. We're looking bad. I think so too. He's certainly at games where he goes for more. I could see him going for 30 or 35 at a game. Sure. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to see 25 a game from him. And then I'd also like to see from McLaughlin, like I'd like to see 12 and 10. Like sure. 12 points, 10 rebounds. Just double like doubles. That, right. Just like that's what we need from him. And then I also think we need like, so like if what if we get those two things, like if we have Ray averaging 25 and we get McLaughlin averaging a double-double, which I, I don't think is too unreasonable for either yeah. of them. All we need, I think beyond that is one more guy to have a really good game. And what I've seen is sometimes that's been Bauman off the bench. And if he's shooting well, like if he's that spark off the bench, like it's, it's, it's like really good. So if, if he can just come in and like hit five threes, like literally if he goes, if he comes in and he goes five for seven from three and that's his 15 points, like great. That's what we want. I like your idea there. I have a little bit of a different idea here. Okay. Let's hear it. The man from France. Y.O. Averaging 15 points a game in the tournament. I like it. I like it. And here's why. It means basically one thing is that he's being aggressive and getting the ball up there and finishing at the rim. And either that or he's getting fouled and shooting free throws well. If he's at the line that often to where he's shooting free throws well and scoring 15 points a game, that means the other team's going to be in foul trouble. And I think that bodes well for us. If we have somebody dominating on the inside where they're scoring 15 points a game from a guy like Y.O., that opens the floor up so much more for us as a team who is proficient from three-point shooting. I think that would even open up for Noah Bauman to get his 15 a game. I think Mm. if Y.O. performs well, I think it opens up everything for everybody else. That's just my thought on it. Yeah, no, that's a good good point. Hey, Zach. Yeah. Do you happen to know what what time it is? Ooh, I think I do. It's trivia time. All right. GCU is in its 10th season of Division I basketball. How many times in the Division I era has GCU won 20 plus games in a season? Dude, I'm trying to think of times when we haven't won 20 games in a season. So the obvious answer is like 2020. Yeah. Or like the last Dan Marley year, which was really bad. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I think they won. I think they won 20 game in every year from when we started being students there to now with the exception of 2020. Yep. Um, Cause we just picked up, we just got win number 20 this year. Right. Yep. And we have 20. Now. Okay. So yeah. I think every year, let's see from 2016 to now, the only one we didn't get 20 was 2020 because that was like the last in Marley. We were really bad that year and then everything got canceled anyways, but like we weren't going anywhere. Um, <clears throat> and then so that would mean like what was our first year 13, 14 or 14? 13, 14. Okay. So there were two years yeah. in the division 13, one 14, era before you and I went to school. 14, 15 and 15, 16. Oh, sorry. Three years before there's we three, went to school. So, okay. So basically I know there's one in 2020. How many of those Three years did we not have uh the year we played Louisville was our senior year of high school. That no, right that would have been we there. Well, no, Louisville on the road, yes. Or I think we played Louisville on the road, but the year that we played Louisville at GCU was our freshman year. Okay. You're right. I'm thinking of Louisville on the road. I, I think our team was good that year. Like, I want to say senior year. I remember because I, I sang the national anthem at a game and we like we went to the game, like not me personally, but like our school choir. And like mm-hmm. I went to a few GCU games my senior year, just like because we knew we were going to go there. And I, by the way, GCU the needs to bring that back. Having high school choirs sing the national anthem. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it been the really band cool. for the last three years. Oh, we were super hyped for that. It was a pretty awesome. Day. And then I'm we got sure. to like stay at the game and hang out and. And it was cool for the seniors too who were going there, which was like almost all of us because everyone from PC goes there. <laughs> Go Cougars. Um, Go Cougs. But I want to say that was 15 16 in that year. We had a, an above record. 
Uh, so that leaves us with two other years before that when we were D1. And I'll say like, I don't know, I'll say we had one out of two of those. So I'll say that there were two years that we didn't have 20 wins. Super close. Okay, okay. what is it? Three seasons. So the first two seasons in Division One, we went 15 wins and then 17 wins. And then, yes, the year after that, we had 27 wins. Our senior oh, wow. year. Of oh, high that, okay. So we were really good that year then. Mm-hmm. That was the, I wow. think we started off seven and oh that year. Mm-hmm. And then we played Duke at Duke. So <laughs> that, yeah. that ended pretty quickly. But we did win 27 games that year. And then the Dan Marley final hurrah right, was our last time that we didn't win 20 wins. So yeah. three times we didn't get it. Seven times we have gotten 20 wins in 10 years. So since we've been tournament eligible, which is eight years, We've had we've been a twenty win team for seven of those eight years. We've only been tournament eligible for seven years. Seven years, okay. So, so six, six out, of, out of the seven, we've had twenty wins. Yeah. And the one we didn't, <laughs> yeah. And the one we didn't get it, it we didn't play NCAA a whack tournament, tournament. So yeah, right. We didn't have a chance to lose to New Mexico State. We we wouldn't. Let's be honest, though. It's not like we would have been anywhere. Absolutely that not. Really, that was a really bad year. Um, my trivia question is very easy. I'm ready for it. Give exactly. me, give me I a actually, I'm almost positive that you already know the answer, um, but that's okay. So, um, and this is coming directly from the arguments I've been having on Twitter all week, um, which is super fun and enjoyable. And I, I really like, <laughs> I really like that. That's what my Twitter is. Um, <clears throat> a New Mexico state, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, I tweeted something about our draw, which we'll talk about on the, on the, the whackatology special. Whackatology. Um, and I had some Sam Houston, fans I basically what I said is I think this is a really good draw for GCU and some Sam Houston fans were really offended that I considered that like I considered playing Sam Houston in the semis to be favorable to playing Utah Valley in the semis which I don't think is insulting the idea is one of those teams we beat on the road and the and other team of those lost teams to we lost home. to at home yep and yep. I think they're both very good so if I have to choose one to play I'd rather play the team we've already beaten and I like I don't think that's like I don't mean I don't think that's disrespectful to Sam Houston. I think that's pretty reasonable, but the Sam Houston fans were freaking out. And so uh someone was in my mentions saying like GCU fans say this every year, and then they go into the tournament and lose to like Abilene Christian in the first round. And I thought like <laughs> which I just thought like this is the most like genuinely the most false thing ever. And so I asked that person and I said, Hey, just out of curiosity, when is the last time that we lost to a team in the WAC tournament that wasn't New Mexico State? And his response was last year, which isn't true. True. And yep. and I, I looked it up and the answer is never. So that's the, the context for this trivia question, okay. which is what is GCU's all-time record in WAC Vegas? I'm gonna have to do some math here. Yeah, yeah. Do some math. Do some math. Think about it. We have I, I can tell you how many losses we have right off the bat. Okay. How many? So so GCU has three tournament losses. Yeah, and and would you be able to tell me what team all three of those losses are to? New Mexico State. Yeah, we, have we are currently five. one in three against New Mexico State in the WAC tournament. Correct. The one year we beat them was in the final the year with advancing twenty twenty one, and every other year in the tournament. So basically, every year we either lose to New Mexico State or we win we the, go tournament. To the NCAA tournament. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Every in every in literally every year. Okay. <laughs> So the sophomore year, the one that we lost our first time to New Mexico State in our first tournament bid, we went two and one at the tournament. The following year was the Carlos Johnson two awesome games, and then and then a, a wrapped the bed the on the last yep. game. Yep, we went right. two and one that year. So we're four and two, correct? And then the next year, no tournament. Yep. The following year, we went three and zero. Oh. Okay. Last year, we went. I believe one and one because I think Sam Houston state was our first game. Yeah. We beat yep. them by five. Yep. Or, no, it was a close margin. I don't remember exactly how many it was five. Actually. You're right. Okay. So we beat Sam Houston state by five and then we lost to New Mexico state by five. So okay. GCU's current whack tournament record is eight and three. You're very close. What? Yeah, I know it's surprising to me too. It's seven and three in okay. 2021, the year that we made the tournament, we actually only played two games. Oh. So I want to say there was a bunch of nonsense with like some teams left and some teams weren't eligible. So there were only seven teams and we got the first round by or like something weird like that. Gotcha. 
because we only played two games. So we beat Seattle and then we beat New Mexico State and, and we went and both of those were pretty massive wins. And then we went dancing and lost to Iowa, but we covered. So one and oh all time against the spread in the NCAA tournament, by the way. <laughs> Let's go. Well, I lost I lost that one, so I dropped a five and nine. That yeah. sucks. I lost mine too, so it's all right. So did you lose your your Tuesday one last week or did you get it? I think you um, lost it. I think I lost, yeah. Okay, so you were at eight and five to start today. Now you are at eight and six. Okay? Yeah, that's right. Okay. Okay. All righty. You want to talk about the basketball games we played this week? Let's do that. Yeah. Hey Zach, guess what? What? The Lopes broke the split merchant curse, dude. Hey, Let's go. they did. Genuinely, I am very impressed. I'm impressed with so many things. They beat the split merchant allegations. They they won a road series, one of those against the three seed in the tournament. And they did they did something that they don't ever do, which was very impressive, which we'll get into when we talk about Utah Tech. Okay. I, yeah. yeah, I'm excited they, for that. They looked really good. I was really happy. The Southern Utah game started out pretty slow. We were down by a lot of points. I think we were down by 14 at one point, early lead for Southern Utah. And then GCU just chipped away. And by halftime, was it tied? Yeah. Uh, what happened was they went on a massive run. They couldn't early miss. In the game. It, right. it was like watching GCU versus Alcorn State. They went on a ridiculous run early in the game. For the first 10 minutes, I want to say, like, yeah, we were down. Like, uh, we, we were down, down 14. Yep. Yeah. We were down really, we were down 13 multiple different times. It was 27 to 14. <laughs> seven minutes in the game. Nice. Nice. Um, We went on a run those last, really the last eight minutes of the half and brought it all the way back to, to 35 all at the half. Mm-hmm. GCU, seriously six minutes into the game had an 8% chance to win. <laughs> That's how far behind we let ourselves get. That's we awesome. had, according to Ken Palm, an 8.4% chance to win the game. Six minutes in. That's awesome. This is this is a weekend full of GCU doing things that they can't normally do, and that's why I'm really impressed. This is yep. thing number one. I say this all the time. We've done this a lot. This, this time we did something different, and I'm really impressed. When we are in games like this and we get really far behind, we make a run back into the game. However, when that run, when we have to make that run to cut the 14-point deficit to a tie game, we usually still end up losing close because, like, we use all of our momentum to, like, get back into the game instead of what we need to do, which is keep it tight, right? And then in a tie game, then we go on our 12-0 run and and win the yeah. game but yep. in this game we actually had three runs we had a 12-0 run at the end of the half to tie it which i thought okay like that's our run and it's unfortunate that we got so far behind that we needed a 12-0 run to tie the game like okay but like obviously better that than just being down like that's good we at the end of the first half followed by the second half we went on a 16-3 to run to take a lead right we kind of gave it back and then we went on a 13-1 to run in the last 10 minutes of the game to put it out of reach so that was impressive in that normally we just have the one run to bring it back to even, and then we gradually let it slip away. Uh, I was really impressed by their ability against a good team on the road to um, sustain multiple runs. And outside of the really slow start, which has been a consistent problem, they kind of stopped Southern Utah's runs. It was it was a really solid game, offensively especially. I don't think we really ever had a point in the game where we were really bad except for maybe the beginning of the game there was yeah, a little bit of a stretch after that yeah i yeah. mean but there was a little bit of a stretch heading into halftime where we kind of got a little you know we stalled out a little bit on our run but at the same time southern utah was also continuing to not be able to score i think what right southern utah scored four points in the last eight minutes of the half and so that doesn't yeah. really do so, much damage to you when you're GCU already on a run and then you stall out a little bit. It's like, oh, what is four points at this point? So really great yeah. job there, just kind of holding them to 35 at halftime. You you know, we thought that it could have been a 50, 50 to 20-some point game at half, but GCU really locked down defensively and and got it done on the offensive end of the court as well. So that that's one thing that I'll say, like, that was really impressive. Another just really big night for Ray Harrison, too. 29 Massive. for him. 29 with nine rebounds, 
what's what what was really impressive here to me was his efficiency. Ray Ray scoring 29 isn't unusual. He scored 29 on 10 shots. Yeah, that's huge. And and only eight free throws. So yeah. in a game where he's shooting 10 shots and single digit free throws, for him to still score 29 is really impressive. Plus he had nine rebounds, four assists to one turnover, and a pair of steals. Really solid game for Ray Harrison. Um, he, according to Ken Palm, was the MVP. He won WAC Player of the Week this week. Yeah. Um, so really solid game here. One of his two really solid games this week. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that earns him player of the game for us, correct? I think so, yeah. Absolutely. He, he was great. He also had the greatest clip of the night when he, he was interviewing at the end of the game. And they said, Seattle, you lost to Utah Tech by 30. And he goes, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Great clip. Great clip. Let's head into the Utah Tech game. Now, this game was actually really interesting to me. GCU was in a zone defense for a large, large portion of this game, if not all of it. I did miss the first, basically the first half um, and some of the second half because I was at our scholarship game for uh, fundraising money for scholarships for seniors and we played our staff against our students and stuff like that. So I was at that for the first half of the GCU game. And when I checked the score at halftime, I was like, okay, GCU is up by seven. I can roll with that. Um, and so I, I actually haven't watched that first half yet. But mm-hmm. from what I saw, GCU was in a, a 2-3 zone for a lot of that game. Had a lot of success from that. So Yeah. So the 2-3 zone worked really well. I don't Very know well. why... I don't know why it worked well. And here's why uh, I'm going to just tell you these stats and you can explain to me like my foolish brain. Cause I, I can't understand why, why this worked. So here's the deal. Utah tech is 20 for generally speaking, when you were running a zone, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, when you're running a zone, why do you like, what do you want to happen when you are in a zone? Well, it depends if you're running a two, three, it's because right. their, their bigs are destroying you. Um, okay. Either that or you game plan for their bigs yep. and trying to shut them down. If you're running a three, two, you're going to do that to try and shut down the well, trying to trap the guards and trying to shut down the three point shot. Okay. Right now, the way that college players are able to execute a zone versus, you know, high school players executing a zone. Right. It's a lot different because when you see them in their zone, it doesn't necessarily look like a three two or a two three they honestly looked like they're formed in a pentagon shape all the time no matter yeah, it's what a two, one two well, a box and one kind of but like they're wider on the wings and 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 sometimes they'll come up higher on those bottom three it just really depends on what the offense is doing against them and right. gcu was really high up on the two three and yeah. they left that that middle wide open but Utah Tech had a hard time feeding the ball inside. And when they did, the Lopes did a good job of kind of cutting off the passing lane to the kick out so that the bigs were forced to make jumpers from 10 to 15 feet. And they weren't exactly proficient at that. So no, I I was I was in. And yes, I I get where you're coming from with that question is because we talked about it in the in the preview episode, Utah Tech destroyed us on the inside in the last game so like yeah okay that makes sense let's two three them but we also said that they are one of the best teams in the conference at shooting the three and so so that's that's where i was actually going with this yeah utah tech is number 20 in the country at three point percentage rate and so we went into this zone which ideally is like we said right we went into this two three which prevents the ball from getting inside and forces them to beat us on the three and then they proceeded to shoot 22% 22% from three on 18 attempts. Yeah. And like, so like, are we just a little lucky there or I don't, I don't, I don't really think so, Zach. I think the, the luck factor comes in on rebounding. I think GCU, let me check the stats really quick. We had a lot more rebounds. Yeah. I, I that's how I felt. I haven't seen the actual stat yet. <clears throat> when you're in a zone, it's a lot harder to rebound comparatively to when you are in a man-to-man because you're matched up when you're in man-to-man. And so you know exactly where you need to box out. Now in a zone, you kind of have to find people and and it comes naturally the more you play the zone and the longer you play basketball, but it's still harder than when you're in man-to-man. And so a lot of times, especially depending on the zone you run, like a one-three-one is an absolute disaster when you're trying to rebound on backside, especially on long shots like three-pointers, that's a disaster. 
you have to be incredibly disciplined on rotations in a one, three, one to get that backside rebound at a, at least respectable clip. But for GCU to out rebound Utah tech by seven in this game where they ran the zone so much is a little surprising to me. Not in the fact that I'm seeing the stat and it surprises me, but just in, in, in concept, in theory, GCU, like I said, I think the big thing was they prevented the kick out from the middle to the outside so well to the point that Utah Tech wasn't getting really good looks at three. And that forced them to try and make shots with a hand in the face from 10 to 15 feet. And their bigs just weren't that adept at doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, they looked really good. I think the GCU has really good personnel for a zone with playing a zone you have to have really good court awareness because you can't just be attached to your guy you have to know where guys are moving you have to be tracking screens you have to be tracking off ball movement you have to be anticipating a lot and i think our guards are really good at anticipating and i think that's why we were able to keep the ball out of the paint contain well inside get a lot of rebounds but also contest threes just because of how um, how good our guards were at anticipation, especially against a Utah Tech team who, like we said, shoots the three really well. I was really impressed there at how the zone uh, in the interior part did exactly what we wanted, which is contain their bigs, um, force them to shoot. But then on the other end, how even though we're in a 2-3 zone, our guards still contested really well and i think that's just a testament to their personnel and and i wouldn't mind continuing to see the zone um in in the right circumstances but i think it looked really good um and i also kind of think utah tech was not ready for it yeah i don't recall us going zone for much of the first game i know that it's been kind of a staple for Bryce Drew to at some point during the game, regardless of runs or whatever, to just throw the two, three in to just give them a different look. Um, sometimes yeah. it's thrown in to kind of stymie a run. It happened in a couple games ago. I can't recall which one, but we were getting pounded and we went to the, we went to the zone and kind of just got the same looks from them and they continued to pound us. And then they slowed down yeah. a little bit. I can't remember what game it was. It was either last week or the week before, but I will say this. I, like I said, I didn't watch the first half of the Utah Tech game. But I do have a couple of clips here that I'm looking at. And what I'm noticing is that, and don't get me wrong, it could have happened and I'm just missing it. It looks like Utah Tech is not trying to spread GCU out very much. Mm-hmm. So in our play of the game, which I'll we'll talk about later, GCU is so high up on this zone where YO is the middle of the zone on the bottom and he is all the way up on the whack logo just just south of the free throw line where our guards are so like they're all the way out on the three point line and typically against a two three you're either going to want to get somebody running baseline from corner to corner or you could have them in the dunker spot just inside of the boundary line. You want to stretch that zone out to the point where you have somebody in the gaps, typically in maybe the short corner. And Utah Tech did not seem to be very disciplined in that aspect. They didn't stretch GCU out very much. And I obviously that didn't bode well for them. Now, Utah Tech is one of the bottom dwellers of our league. What would happen if we say played against I don't know Sam Houston State's pretty proficient at three-point shooting if we played against them and tried to go two three zone for the whole game I think that they would cook us yeah but I think what like what we've said GCU goes in and out of the two three zone and it's not very frequent as it or as frequent as it was in the Utah Tech game here I'm not a huge two three guy in college there's a reason that Syracuse sucks yeah no that's a good point GCU yeah. played really well in this game, though. They did. Incredibly. Um, so the, the other thing I wanted to talk about with this, um, the, the zone was really good, and I think I think the zone was a big factor for this, which is uh, GCU did the thing, which I love, which is we actually we went on the run first. Um, <laughs> so instead of getting ourselves behind, right, the, the for the first five minutes, it's like, okay, it's a pretty normal game. It was like 8-8, to eight, right, pretty normal game. And then at 8-8, eight, eight, we went on a 23-4 to four run, which is like – 
really crazy. We outscored them by 19 in the span of seven minutes. Beautiful. Now, unfortunately, we gave up a 13-0 run right, like right after, which yeah, sometimes it's just bound to happen, right? It's bound to happen. <clears throat> we still went up. We still were up like nine at the half. And then we kind of just coasted with that lead for the rest of the game. And like, we never really let them back in it. Yeah. The, the second so, half was really awesome to watch. Yeah. So it was really good. Like this is, this was what I wanted us to do. And, and this is no disrespect to Utah tech, but this is what I want us to do to teams. We're better than all season long. Absolutely. Whenever we play a team that's like when outside of the top six teams in the WAC, who I think like are legitimate teams, right? Um, mm-hmm. Everyone below Stephen F. Austin, I want to see us go on a 23 to four run and then coast up eight for the rest of the game. And then yeah. And, yeah. And we, even, we should yeah. be able to do this. Right. And the fact that it hasn't happened all year is really disappointing. The fact that it happens now in the last game before, conf- before the conference tournament starts is maybe a little encouraging. Right. And that perhaps we've figured something out. I don't know. May, and again, I don't want to have recency bias and read too much into this, which is like, well, now all the problems are solved. Then we're going to go win the whack. Like, I, I don't know. Um, hey, I said the thing. I, I was really encouraged with that. I think that's what I've and when we say like kneecap busters, it's because we don't do that. And so that's why like Southern Utah was a was a is a what is is a really good team. And we played on the road and we played really hard and we had three good runs and we beat them. Mm-hmm. Utah Tech, not a not a super great team, but on the road we did we we got up early and we stayed up the whole game. And that's why like it's more than just we won both games, which is really great. It's like, no, we we like the way that we played and like made runs and like made adjustments was like perfect, right? I love to see us having multiple sustained runs against a, a good team like like Southern Utah. I think that's what we need. I love to see us getting up and then staying up, right? Not blowing our leads against against teams like that are weaker. Um I think I think Tuesday, right, is going to be another instance where I'd love to see this kind of thing again. I'd love to see us be up by 10 in the first half and then stay up by 10 for the rest of the game. Oh, I'd like to win on Tuesday by 30. So me too, right? And, and last <laughs> time we played then we did. But yeah. what I don't want is I, I don't like I don't want us to be down 26 to 14, 10 minutes in and then have yeah. to come back. Right. Mm-hmm. And even if we come back and win by 20, then it's like, yeah, but we can't like do that. So I'd like to see us do this again. I'd love to see it run it out really early and then just stay up. Sure. And to keep it in perspective with Utah Tech, remember, we only beat them by what, two or three at home. We gave up that really weird yep. run at the end of the game where we couldn't yeah. inbound the ball. That was that was I, one of the original kneecap busters. The exactly, last time them. exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing: we were up by eight in that game, and so we were kind of in the driver's seat. But right. I think our biggest lead was ten or eight in this game. We had a lead of seventeen, and we didn't really get out of the driver's seat at all. And that's what's so impressive to yeah. me is we outperformed our home self on the road against this team. And the best thing about it is, like you said. We're heading into the tournament now. This this mm-hmm. is hopefully a momentum builder. Yeah. Yeah. I As for so. the box score, I mean, GCU like spread the wealth pretty well. Ray Harrison had his 25. Gabe McLaughlin almost had another double-double. He had 16 and 9. Really I would, if you're a, do you have anything else on this game before I go into player of the game and then play of the game? Yeah, I I would say obviously Ray Harrison, whack player of the week. He had another really efficient game with Ray Harrison at this point. So here's where I am with Ray Harrison. Um, mm-hmm. I really like Ray Harrison. He's really incredible. I am I am no longer moved by Ray Harrison's points. Instead, I am measuring his efficiency, right? And that like yep. I expect every game Ray Harrison to give us 25 points, and that's a testament to how good he's been, right? What I want though is uh like we saw in both of these games, really good efficiency uh, against against Southern Utah. He had 29 points on how many shots? 16. Yeah. And like on 29. Utah Tech, he had 25 on, on 17. 17. Yeah. Both of those both of those are very efficient games. Right. So that's that's really encouraging. It's it's more it's more than just him scoring. He's always going to score. Having that like 25 points on 17 shots is really great. It's really, really great. Six for 10 from the line, which is like a little less than, right? obviously we want him to shoot higher than that, both uh, in volume and in percentage. Um, seven assists to three turnovers is okay. I think we can live with it. Um, mm-hmm. But he had a really efficient game and McLaughlin had a really efficient game. Like we said, 16 points on nine shots and nine rebounds. Um, really stellar game game from him. Uh, and then Walter Ellis, like goodness gracious. What mm-hmm. a, like, 
what a performance from Walter Ellis off the bench, 13 points on seven shots. So that's what I look at is uh, not, it's more than just, like you said, right? They're spreading the wealth, which, which is true and really good, but they're also efficient. Yeah, absolutely. We should give the player of the game to Ray Harrison. I would like to say, okay, Ray's got it several times. So totally let's uh let's see if we can spread the wealth here. I know. Now another another person we could give it to is Gabe McLaughlin because yeah. it was his birthday. So happy birthday, Gabe happy McLaughlin. Happy birthday, Gabe. But he didn't have a he didn't have a double double. But I would like to say we should give this to Walter Ellis. Yeah. Because yep. Walter Ellis, like you said, came off the bench and then proceeded to stay in the game. He had 32 minutes in this game off the bench. He went five for seven from the field, three for four from three. He got a big old flex on them boys after making a bucket in somebody's face at the block. And then he scored seven, uh, sorry, 13 points and got four rebounds. That's, that's a huge game. Yeah. That's massive from a, a, a guy coming off the bench, especially a big, senior. It's so. big for him too. In this respect, Walter Ellis is a senior. Like we said, mm-hmm. for someone who's a senior, who's like worked really hard for this team, Right. Just to, to perhaps not get as many minutes and opportunities as maybe he would have liked. It's really awesome to see him have a game like this and in, in, in what is his last regular season game. That's really cool. Yeah. So I'm all I'm all for, like you said, Walter Ellis play of the game. Really, really outstanding job. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move into the play of the game. Pass inside, knocked away. Bodies on the floor. Up ahead to Ellis. Free ride to hoop heaven, Walter Ellis. GCU sets up in that 2-3 that I mentioned, and like I said, Utah Tech does not do a good job of spreading them out. They got one big guy on the block, and then they got two guards, which doesn't make any sense to me. If you're if you're facing a zone that has an even front, that you need to counter that with an odd front um, with your with your guards. And so you got two guards facing against two guards defensively, which come on, guys. And then you got two guys on the wing and then one guy down on the post. So GCU's, I guess, low guys on the three, they're actually so high up out on the wing. Now what's going to get you in a two, three zone or in any zone for that matter is when you're turning your back to the guys in your area. That's how you get those backdoor cuts and stuff like that. It's the same thing, same sentiment as against man, but it happens more in zone. Gabe McLaughlin here, you know, and then who else is on the other side? looks like Rayshon Harrison are doing a great job of just staying in the passing lane and keeping their eye on both, you know, zone area and the ball. Now Utah tech is just going to pass it around a little bit and then they're going to try and feed it into the inside. They, they had a guy go kind of to the short corner um, and then come back out towards the high post and they tried to feed it in. Gabe McLaughlin gets a hand on it, jumps that pass really well. And then it's a loose ball situation where you got, two Utah Tech guys diving for the basketball and also Josh Baker diving for the basketball. Josh Baker is going to end up on his back with the ball in hand. He's just going to throw it forward to Walter Ellis, who's just wide open. and He's going to actually throw it down. One of his two or three two-point field goals in the game. Just an awesome play all around. Hustle play by Josh Baker. Great heads-up play by Walter Ellis, but for getting down court, seeing that his teammate made that hustle play and ended up getting two points out of it. So really awesome for GCU there. Yeah, really good play. It does look like here that, I don't know, maybe I just wasn't paying attention as closely to like the specifics. It does look like it is more more of a 3-2 zone. Like it looks like we are covering those wings and we have like three guys up there. Um, Well, well, the reason I would say it's not is because YO is just dead center of the paint. Right. And and there actually are times where it's almost like we have four guys across, like when they're when their offense, right? They Just have they're out. so high up. Right. So we have like four guys like our two guys who perhaps are lower, right? In the two, three are all the way up um with what with YO alone in the paint. But like like we said, right, one of the things we said about the two three is it's it's really good. Uh it has to do with having good anticipation. And that's what we see from McLaughlin, right? They're trusting YO to be alone in the paint. Uh and, and for the most part, he did a really good job this game. But it's because of, of stuff like this, right? They're trying to make the pass. McLaughlin sees it, anticipates, right? Gets a hand in the passing lane, which leads to the transition, which is awesome. So so the anticipation is really good. And it is it is one of those things, though, like we said, it's hard to coach. It's really hard to coach yeah. anticipation. And we have, we have, I think, a personnel of guys who have a really high basketball IQ and can, and can anticipate stuff like that really well. So... Yeah. 
that's really encouraging to see. You have anything else for these games, Zach? No, uh, other than uh, congratulations, GCU on, on winning both. Broke the split merchant allegations. Congratulations. Uh, I like how you, you talk about it like it's allegations. I'm like, it's a curse. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, I... I feel like I feel like we have put this to them, which is this is something you need to be able to do that you can't do, right? Which is win a series, like sweep, win two sweep games a series. in a week. Literally, just sweep any series, like any series, and they did it. And not only on the they road, did, they do it. <laughs> they did it on the road on the last weekend of conference play against like not the hardest trip, but like a me like a medium difficulty like duo on the road absolutely like i would say of the travel partners this is like one of the more like medium ones like they're not like it's not bad it's not a bad trip right Mm -hmm. but it's also not sam it's not sam houston sfa yeah but like for us to win both on the road is really huge in any in any circumstance um yeah so i was really impressed i think this puts us in a really good spot right with that momentum going into vegas um and I also, I also like, I didn't realize this. I like that we have a day between the first game on Tuesday and the game Thursday. Absolutely. That's massive. Yeah. Let's move into around the whack. And today, instead of starting with the Kimball, we'll go straight to the whack honors that were just released recently. We had the player of the year given to Quay Grant of Sam Houston state. Now this was a little contentious with us GCU fans considering you know, Ray Harrison is awesome. And then also he head to head is one and zero against Quay Grant of Sam Houston state on the road. Nonetheless. Now, a lot of people are saying that winning matters and that this was voted on by the coaches. So it's not like there was any like media bias or anything like that in here. However, I do feel like Ray Harrison was probably snubbed of that honor. Defensive player of the year was Aziz Bandoga from Utah Valley. Sixth man of the year was D Barnes of Southern Utah. Freshman of the year was Chendal Weaver from UT Arlington. I felt like Kobe Knox probably deserved that one. And then newcomer of the year was Aziz Bandoga from Utah Valley. So he got two awards and Ray, Ray Sean Harrison, who probably should have been the newcomer of the year. That's did. yeah. That's really like, he that's if he's really, not going to get player of the year, he, he he needs to get newcomer of the year. That's, that's actually ridiculous. criminal. Yeah. And then finally, the coach of the year was Mark Madsen of Utah Valley. Absolutely deserved. Understandable. One hundred percent deserved yep. it. Yep. Rayshawn Harrison was selected first team All whack and to the All Newcomer team, even though he should have been player newcomer of the year either. or at least absolutely. newcomer of the year. And then yeah. Gabe McLaughlin was selected the second team All whack. What are your thoughts on the All whack honor, Zach? I don't know. I'm, I guess like I try to do this thing where I try to think, am I just mad Ray didn't win it because I am a GCU fan or do I actually think Ray deserved it? And like, I'm having a hard time. Genuinely, I'm having a hard time seeing in what metrics Grant was actually better than Harrison, other than his team had a better record, which yeah. and, and it's funny. Wacoops Digest yesterday, they posted their projections and their projection had ray harrison being whack player of the year yeah. um which like i thought was was like i don't know i guess like i thought would have been the case strong um, rash obviously obviously he didn't win it and what i'm seeing his defense is the the coaches committee is putting an emphasis on winning which which seems to be like then explain whack. to me why chendel weaver the was year? the whack freshman of the year for player of the year right like I guess, like, I don't know, man. Sure, for coach of the year. But if we're putting such an emphasis on winning, again, why is Chendel Weaver the freshman of the year over Kobe Knox? I don't know. I don't have an answer. The team was um, trash. What I, what I will say, yeah, I mean, they're they're terrible. Um, Grant has been good. Um, he's shooting 33% from three, 45% from the field. He's a 70% free throw shooter. Um he 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 does get a good amount of rebounds. Harrison, for comparison, has really like really similar shooting efficiency. A better free throw shooter, which I guess like whatever. Their their efficiency numbers are pretty similar. So I guess like yeah, I don't know. Like I I want Rayshon to win, obviously, but I don't know that I'm like super confused about 
Grant winning. I think Harrison not winning Newcomer of the Year is crazy, though. Like, that's really crazy to me. Um, Especially since Aziz already had Defensive Player of the Year under his belt. Yeah, really crazy. I, I just don't get it. The WAC hates GCU. It's okay. They do. It's okay. I mean, they really don't, but like, whatever. Um, <laughs> Knox not winning freshman of the year, too, is kind of sad. Um, was not Knox was on the all freshman team, though, right? He was on the all freshman yeah. team, yes. And, well, no, there Harrison's wasn't. First team. There's not an all freshman team. Oh, in WACU's Digest, they did an all freshman team and he was okay. on it, which I think if there was good. I, I don't actually, I don't know that I'm too like clinging on to Knox for all freshman of the year. Sure. Like, his role I, actually wasn't that big. Yeah. I, that So that doesn't bother me at all. Um, McLaughlin being on second team all whack is good. That's what I, I'd expect. And I'm really glad that he got that uh, accolade. And then Harrison to be all first team. Of course he should be. Uh, obviously I, I think he should be player of the year, but whatever. I think Madsen winning coach of the year again is, is to me like the obvious choice. Uh, I've seen a lot of Stephen F. Austin fans really upset. Um, of course, like it's funny how like whack Hoops digest really just be saying like, Hey, this you is mean Sam Houston. No, Stephen F. Austin fans. Yeah. Really? Um, it's funny how, uh, like whack hoops digest kyle really just posts like hey this is who the whack voted for and then people start like fighting him like he did it is like <laughs> really funny but i do feel like i do feel like that happens to like the whack hoops digest page or like i don't know if it's just kyle who's running it right but i feel like that happens all the time of like he's like this is the one player of the year and everyone's like you suck man what are you doing? <laughs> like, he starts getting roasted i feel like that happens a lot and that was happening with the coach of the year no he's he's oh. like he, yeah he's like yeah mark madsen of utah valley wins coach of the year and they're like it's because you're a utah valley right. homer yeah that's what it is no that's literally what it is uh but so like stupid. i don't know um so so he has to deal with a, a lot um but yeah i don't know i guess like i don't really care right i don't care about awards um like this at all um sure. and my my only hope is that right and it's kind of this is kind of the phoenix suns joke my my hope is that getting completely snubbed again every year like we always do will inspire us to play with more fury yeah, which is always like our joke about the suns right like the suns like the league hates the suns like they do not want any of our players being all-stars they don't want any of us on any teams they don't want us involved in anything cam johnson got absolutely snubbed for six man of the year last year but then they'll call us a super team when we get Durant. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, I was dying. Uh, I don't know if you did you hear the Devin Booker interview. No, with, I didn't. Uh, basically, they so we got Durant, and everyone's like, "Oh, the Suns are a super team." And they like interviewed Booker, and they were like, "People are saying you guys are super team. What do you think?" And he basically said, "Like, well, we only have one All Star." <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, like, yeah, no, right, like, this is right. You can't, you can't play both sides. You can't complain and say the Suns are a super team, right? And then like not put any players and I get like Booker did like Booker realistically, if he didn't miss 30 games before the all-star break, like probably would have been an all-star again. And like if Chris Paul wasn't 38, right? Like Chris Paul's still really good when he plays, like when he can play well and like Aiden's good and like bridges, honestly, like (laughs) honestly, like bridges, like bridges is kind of insane. Like he scored 30 points in every game. Like he's like, like low key. He's like really crazy. And he's going to win. He's going to be an all-star for the next 10 years in a row. And I'm kind of sad, but like, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So I kind of think like that, which is like, yeah, we didn't win the awards. I don't really care. Uh, let's go win Vegas. <laughs> like, let's go yeah. win the WAC. Um, you got a point there. Good for Madsen. I think, I think he's, uh, he's, he really got his Utah Valley team ready to go. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so cool. Yeah. Let's move into the Kimball. <clears throat> On Wednesday, March 1st, the Vaqueros of UT Rio Grande Valley had a chance to defend their Kimball title and retain it until next season. They traveled to Riverside to face the Lancers of Cal Baptist, where the Lancers ruined UTRGV's title defense, winning the game 88-70 to and taking the Kimball. On the final Kimball game of the season... Cal Baptist had to travel to Southern Utah, where only GCU had won as the visitor in conference play. They conceded the Kimball to Southern Utah after losing 71-81. The Thunderbirds of Southern Utah conclude the regular season in possession of the Kimball and will remain Kimball champs until at least next season's conference play begins. Zach? Yeah. Take it away. Well, the WAC regular season's over. And that's pretty cool. Sam Houston beat Stephen F. Austin in, on the road in overtime on Wednesday in what honestly was a barn burner. It was a really great game. Yeah. Uh, alternately, Seattle U got absolutely manhandled, blown out at Utah Tech. Um, Wait, what? Just kidding. 
Yeah, so if you didn't hear, Seattle, you lost by 37 points at Utah Tech, the team that we just beat by 10 on the road, but it's fine. And so what, what this means is this, we we had lots of discussion last week about the final, right, the WAC seeding system, which will determine the seeding. We said Utah Valley and Sam Houston are very close and they could flip, which they did. And that is that is by virtue of Sam Houston picking up the upset win at Stephen F. Austin, which is really significant. Upset, quote unquote. Well, yeah, I guess maybe it's winning not upset, on the road is it, hard. It's a, I road, it. it's a road win against a, a good team. Whereas Utah Valley also beat Stephen Stephen F. Austin. Like, man, they they lost that game to Utah Valley, and then they came or uh, again they lost to Sam Houston, and then came out on Friday and got beat by forty three, like forty four, to Utah Valley. <laughs> so like, oh man, like, wow, it's not feeling great for them. And now they get to play Utah Tech, who just beat Seattle by a thousand. Like, we'll get into that on in Wackatology, but like, gosh, they're trending the wrong. Like, that is not how you want your season to end. Yeah. Losing at home in overtime against your rival and then losing by 40 to the two seed. Um, this does create a weird scenario, which I think is kind of funny, which is Utah Valley is the two seed. Um in, in WAC Vegas, but Utah Valley is also the conference champion. And what that means is Utah Valley does have an automatic qualifier for the NIT. If if you if Utah Valley wins the WAC, I wouldn't be super surprised to see Sam Houston get an NIT bid. They are 69th in the country on Ken Palm. Um, so I, I like I could totally see that being a possibility. Um, but so yeah, it's cool to what know are, that Utah- what is Sam Houston in the net? Oh, dude, I hate the net. Probably even higher, honestly. In the net, Sam Houston is 59th. You have to be mid and Utah Valley 70. You have to be mid 40s to be considered an at large for NCAA, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but so like late 50s is probably an at large for the NIT. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say, I would say it's very possible that we will have both of the one of these teams in the NCAA and the other one in the like, if uh, obviously, if well, it'd be really funny if neither of them won, right? Like, if if Southern Utah won, do both of these teams go to the NIT? I don't know. But I think it's very possible that whichever team doesn't make the NCAA tournament will go to the NIT, which is really cool. Obviously, Utah Valley has the auto bid to the NIT, given that they're the conference champion. Um, but so that's that's kind of what's happening there. Uh, incidentally, um, GCU picked up the massive road split, which allowed us to stay at the five. Uh, Stephen F. Austin is at the six. Uh, they were, we were really kind of neck and neck there as far as who's going to be five, who's going to be six. We went two and oh. They obviously, like we said, lost both in, in pretty tough fashion, <clears throat> but there was a big cushion, so they're not going to drop lower than six. Um, and then with the three four, right, Southern Utah, um, although they lost to us, they did beat Cal Baptist and split the weekend. Um, Seattle U also split the weekend, but their loss is worse, right? Like, uh, I think, well. Yeah, their loss is probably worse. Oh yeah, um, you lost so, by a million to Utah Tech, right? Which I, I don't know, and I mean, I guess you could say like, and this is I, I can just hear Wackoops die just now saying like, home like home losses matter more than road losses, right? And like road wins matter more than home wins. So like, well, absolutely, it is kind of surprising. Forget that there's no style points in the winners, but holy right. cow, they lost by forty. But they. But I guess that's the thing, right? Given that they don't care about margin of victory, I'm surprised that they waited a home loss to GCU higher than uh, a road loss at Utah Tech. Like, sure, um, or that they didn't rather that the that losing at Utah Tech was not as bad as losing at home to GCU. So, so that Southern Utah remains the three and Seattle remains the four, giving us the bracket as as we have it. Um, so that was really that was really cool to see Cal Baptist. Um, Picked uh picked up a win, um over over Arlington or over UTRGV on Wednesday, um kind of solidifying their seeding as as the eight seed. Tarleton is the seven seed, which is really impressive. Um, they were just kind of vibing out this week. They didn't play at all. They didn't play on Wednesday, and then they on Friday won by forfeit against New Mexico State. So Woo! Tarleton just is sitting and chilling in the seven seed. Um, but yeah, there's gonna be a lot of really I think like. I think we're poised for a crazy whack Vegas. Normally the whack tournament, it's one of the more boring tournaments because usually we know exactly how it's going to go. and We don't see a lot of upsets. It's a pretty, it's usually a pretty flush tournament and we see like the one seed New Mexico state just win. And then they play two seed GCU in the final, which is like happened every single year. Um, so 
so it'll be it'll be interesting to see like one different teams at the top different teams in different places you have teams that have a history of doing damage in the tournament as like middling seeds which i think is crazy right like Abilene Christian is a team that recently had a really big first round tournament win. They're the nine seed. Stephen F. Austin, same thing. They're the six seed. Um, GCU, who's usually like a really good team, is the five seed, right? And then you have the top four teams, which are all like awesome and and Seattle U. Um, so so I think it's like I think it's really gonna be crazy. I think anything can happen in this tournament. Um, but gosh, I there is a part of me that just wants like Tarleton or Utah Tech to win it all. Just so we have like the nonsense <laughs> situation, the Bellerman sitch. Yeah, uh, the yeah, which which is stupid. Um, so are you are you aware of the, the Merrimack sitch? Uh, I year? saw something about it, but I'm not very closely familiar uh, with it. They're playing Farley Dickinson in the championship, but and FDU, FDU has is been there clinched. Oh yeah, yeah. FDU is going to the NCAA tournament because yeah. they will either win the conference tournament and get the AQ. Or lose to Merrimack, who is ineligible, and as the two seed, they will go. So they're well, playing a conference championship game. Like obviously, you still want to win the conference championship game, but they're going either way, which is like funny. So um, is Merrimack eligible but, for the NIT? I don't know. They're the one seed. Um, I I don't actually know how that works. I would imagine probably right. Yeah, the NIT usually. Well, is it an NCAA tournament? Because like. The yeah. CBI and CIT aren't like you can play in those. I don't know. The NIT is a so college, we'll or is an NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, then I, I would say maybe probably not. I don't know. Congratulations to FDU. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that's really cool. Sorry, Merrimack. Great season. You knew what you were doing coming in, so it right. stinks. And you know that was. It's not a surprise, right? Yeah, but they were the one seed, and so yeah, um, yeah. Um, I guess it's better than being a situation where like if FDU lost, for example, then mm-hmm. it's like FDU's waiting for Merrimack to win so they get in even though they lost, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's the end of the whack. Um, that's the end of the regular season. It was there were some interesting games, like we said, but we have our final seeding, which is this. Sam Houston is the one seed. This is really close. Sam Houston is the one seed with six point nine seven seven. Whack mm-hmm. points. Utah Valley is the two seed with 6.964. There's a Third hundredth point. of a point. Yep. Yep. A hundredth of a point separating Sam Houston and Utah Valley for the one seed. Now, this, this the brings in the question. What they wanted. Yeah. But this brings in the question the whole thing, which is like Utah Valley finished 15 and three. Sam Houston finished 14 and four. Sam Houston gets the one seed because they. They beat Oklahoma and Utah in the non-conference. Um, and so you have both sides, right? We have the argument, which which we've been having since the very beginning, which is Utah Valley has a better record in the WAC. Why would they not have the one seed? Versus the flip side, Sam Houston is the better team. They're the higher ranked team according to metrics, and they have the better SOS. We want them to be the one seed. Um, and I, I do, I, I do kind of see both sides. I do. Um and I think what, what kind of clinches it for me is there is a strength of schedule factor in the WAC because every team doesn't play every team. I understand where the conference is coming from, where you want the best team from your conference to be in the tournament. So you got to set your your teams up in the perfect way for that to happen. I was just telling my dad about that with the Big Sky tournament, where the quarterfinal is tonight for the two top seeds in the conference, but they get the next game off or sorry, the next day off. So they will be off tomorrow. And then the other two quarterfinal games are being played tomorrow. And so the teams that play tomorrow who are not the top two teams, they'll have to play the semifinal back to back with the quarterfinal. Whereas the top two seeds get to be uh, taking right. a day of rest. And the well, reason for that is because they, well, except for the one seed because they just lost, lost to NAU, to NAU. but Jacks. Regardless, they're trying to set it up so that the best two teams are in your conference championship and that the best team is is primed to make it into the NCAA tournament because you want your best team in the NCAA tournament so that they can maybe win a game or two and bolster the conference. However, I, I, do, you? I just don't like that no, for the fact that it is a conference schedule. And so you're going to use metrics from outside of conference play to seed teams. Yeah. 
Yeah. I can I can tell you one thing. If you include style points into this, like how I said with Seattle, you losing by 40 to Utah Tech should subtract more points from them than if they would have lost at Utah Tech by two. I totally mm-hmm. mean that because I think if you did that, I, I don't know that Sam Houston wouldn't be the one seed because their only loss to Utah Valley was on the road, correct? No, I think you're right. So that wouldn't hurt them as much as if they had lost at home against Utah Valley. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've been a pretty vocal, we both have been a pretty vocal Wimmers critic, but I do think Sam Houston is the best team. And They're the I'm best team, but they don't have the best conference resume. You're right. You're right. And I, I think I'd be fine without having this. Um, the, the Wimmers and just going by conference standing. The only thing that would be different is your one and two seed would be flipped, which is a big deal. And is it though? UT Arlington, UT Arlington and Utah Tech would be flipped, but UT Arlington's non-conference was so abysmal that even though they have their six and twelve to Tech's five and thirteen, Utah Tech's a whole point and a half ahead of them. But I guess like, I guess whatever you know. But that's the same thing where like Utah Tech is coming off a thousand point win against Seattle, and they're playing Stephen F. Austin, who just lost by a thousand. So like, it is what it is. And let's not pretend like other conferences aren't also doing stuff like this to bolster their one seed. In fact, the conference we were just talking about, the Big Sky, is doing it in multiple ways. One that you mentioned and one which you didn't. And I think it's stupid and I think it's hilarious. Two conferences have done this and I got into a conversation with someone else about why. So in a 10-team bracket, generally in a 10-team bracket, the pretty standard way to do it is your top six teams get a first round by and then you do a traditional bracket. Your seven plays the 10 and the winner of that plays the two. And the eight plays the nine and the winner that plays the one. What we have seen in the big sky as well as other conferences is the nine and the 10 playing with the winner getting the one and the seven and the eight playing with the winner getting the two. And my argument is that's really dumb. And here's why, right? The argument is, well, we want the one seed to play the weakest team possible. And I think like, yeah, okay, here's why this is stupid. Why is the nine seed? Why are you punishing your nine seed? Sorry, why are you punishing your eight seed and granting an advantage to your nine seed, right? The eight seed, who is better than the nine seed, has to play a better opponent in the seven versus your nine, who gets to play an inferior opponent, the 10. And we just saw that with NAU, right, who is not a good team, but got to play the worst team in the big sky, won that game, and then beat the one seed of Eastern Washington. So for that, I say, Eastern Washington, you get what you deserve. Big sky, you get what you deserve. Uh, go no, back to Zach. Here's the thing is you don't understand it the way I do. The big sky is not getting what they deserve. They got exactly what they wanted. And now the Bobcats are the front runner to make it to the tournament. And that's exactly what the conference wants. That's exactly the, what ESPN wants. And the Bobcats are putting North Northern Colorado in the mud right now. There are things I wish I could say, but I won't about the Bobcats, but you feel about them kind of similarly to how I feel about the Dallas Mavericks. I think. Zach, that <laughs> that waters down my hatred much more than oh, you could man. ever imagine. <laughs> oh man! All right, gosh, that's funny. There's a deep state, the Bobcat deep state, and they're just yeah rearing to get everything well and done for the Bobcats. Yeah. Dude, we're probably been... gonna have a U of M versus MSU yeah. Big Sky Championship game. Yeah, because now as the four seed, they're they're pretty clear to. I mean, like well, if they win, let's they be win, honest, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll lose to NAU. So. <laughs> Dude, I you know what? I just really want to see NAU playing in Dayton, man. <laughs> like <laughs> send NAU to Dayton. Like if NAU wins a tournament game before GCU, I'm calling it quits. <laughs> That's the new kneecap buster, right? New Mexico State doesn't exist. We can be that. If yeah. if NAU runs the table and like beats UNC Asheville in Dayton, <laughs> like I'm I'm that's the knee I'll bust my kneecaps live, bro. It's over. <laughs> All right, Zach, you got anything else WAC related? No, man, I'm just really excited for the WAC tournament. I'm I'm really excited for the rest of the conference tournaments. This has been the best two days of basketball I've seen seriously in forever. It's been fun. It's been really this, fun. These two days rival to me, like the quality of games rival the first weekend of the tournament. Yeah, I would say so. This has been like for so for all the like. For all the casuals, and I don't mean this to be derogatory, for all the casuals who don't start watching Martin Madison until the Thursday and Friday of March, and like, don't get me wrong, that's incredible content, right? This weekend of conference play and, and next weekend of conference play, which is going to be the championships of power conferences, 
that is awesome basketball as well. And North Dakota won it. Whew, what a game. <laughs> Moving on. All righty. Yeah. Well, just to close out, go ahead and head over to biggerthanbasketball.co. Use the discount code Coach K as you check out for 10% off. Otherwise, we will be hitting you up tomorrow for the Wackatology special. But until then, lopes up. Big bucket by McMillan for three. Dishes out the block for three. Good! Harrison. Up high. Put back by the corner. Push back on Harrison quickly to the block and drives baseline. Barrel. No doubt about it. Oh, Barry, you bounced out of your seat on that. I did with a big right hand. Give the Lopes a three-point advantage. Whoa, my Ken Palm just exploded.